why don't you get your Bibles out and, of course, your message notes. Uh, we're going to begin in Philippians 3. So you can go to Philippians 3 in the New Testament, and then we're going to go to Luke 10. Luke 10. So those are kind of our two scriptures that are kind of our key scriptures for today. Of course, you know we've been in a series called Pray First that we started at the beginning of the year. And uh, the premise of Pray First is really just... Don't, don't let prayer become a last resort. Make it a first response. Instead of prayer becoming the last thing you try, make it a first response for everything. So when you get up in the morning, pray first. When you go to bed at night, pray first. Right? When, 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 you, when you're going to work, pray first about the decisions you will make. Um, when, when you think you're in trouble, pray first. <laughs> uh, when you're ready to fire off that uh, that. T testy email that you're gonna you're gonna send somebody pray first all right before you post on Facebook how mad you are pray first <laughs> before before you discipline your kids pray first before anything and everything pray first and make it a lifestyle choice that you begin to include Jesus in everything that happens in your life and uh, because it's true, we're making decisions every single day that determine the framework of our lives. Little decisions, big decisions, decisions of every kind are being made every single day, and they begin to define us. We become the decisions we make. If we decide to sleep in instead of spend time with Jesus, it just sets a certain direction for our day. It, if, we, if we decide that we're going to dabble in stuff on the computer that we know we shouldn't, it sets a tone for the way we, should, we, we are functioning in our lives. If we decide that we're going to sleep in instead of come to church, it just sets a tone. It's not like you can't miss church every once in a while. Can you believe you're in a church where the pastor said that? Right? I, I, I mean, I, 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 it's not like I need you to be here every time the doors are open. But you, if, you are, if you are consistently committed to the body of believers, to the community of Christ, to being connected, to come and, and, and worshiping together, it's going to change how your life functions. And so I think there's big decisions that we're making in 2015. I think 20, I, I have an excitement about this year. This is the second Sunday of the year. I, I have an excitement about what is coming and what God is trying to do in us and with us as a church. And so I want to challenge you. Today I want to talk to you about something that is so important, it will change everything. So important that it will influ influence every decision you make. And it's a significant idea that we need to revisit every once in a while to make sure we understand how our life uh, should work. Most people on January 11th have already started to crack on their New Year's resolutions. <laughs> We're 11 days in and it's starting to happen. And they were supposed to work out more than they, they, want, they wanted to work out more than they did this last week. And they're starting to crack. And it's only another week and the vast majority of people will be done with their New Year's resolutions. Those are the stats, three weeks in. It's hard to make a decision and keep it, isn't it? I want to challenge you to make a fundamental decision today. And, and listen, I, I've made some big decisions in my life that I am so grateful for. Some of the best decisions in my life. Think about, think about the best decisions you've ever made. 
It was, it was a really good decision. One of the best decisions I've ever made to marry Amy Michelle Duncan. She is an amazing woman, an amazing person. I, I, I remember thinking, I'm going to marry this woman because there's something on the inside of her and her character and the way she is that I want my kids to have, that I, that I want to live with. And it is proven to be true over and over and over and over again as we face life together. And I'm so grateful for her. Um, when I married, I did not choose poorly. <laughs> Some people choose poorly and then Jesus has to come in and fix it, which he does. He works miracles in people's lives, but I chose wisely. The decision to have kids was a really good one. <laughs> For a while there, I wasn't sure, but to now today, <laughs> I'm, I'm, really sh I'm, I'm pretty convinced that, that it was such a good decision. We're out of the diaper stage, and I love the fact that our family is big and busy and chaotic. I love it. And I love my kids. We, you know, we just got a new puppy for Christmas. And so I love the fact that now my kids are, are enjoying this, this dog and laying on the couch and cuddling and, and, and running outside with the dog. It's so fun. It's busy. Life is hectic. But I'm grateful for my kids. It was a good decision. These days, some people are not convinced they should make that decision. But I go all the way back to the beginning to one of the first directives in the scripture, be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> it was God's idea. So, so there's some really good decisions. Best, one of the best decisions I ever made, probably the best decision, right? Without equivocation, the best decision was choosing to follow Jesus. Was choosing to surrender my life to him and let him lead me. It has been life transforming for me, and uh, and I'm so grateful for what He's done in my life and the perspective He's given me in my heart. Now, I've made some bad decisions too. I mean, I'm I made some horrible decisions. One of them was ever buying a snuggie. Um, <laughs> you ever you ever buy a snuggie? You know what a snuggie is? It's a, the blanket with arms. Right? Isn't that what it's called? A, yeah, a blanket with arms, and, and every Christmas you kind of see all the commercials on TV for it, you know. Um, it's, it's horrible. It doesn't work. Um, when you get up, it just falls right off, just like a regular blanket. I don't, I don't get it. So, I, I mean, I've made some bad financial decisions. I mean, I, I mean I've done some things that I just should not have financially. I, I, we bought a new car one time. Amy and I, I loved everything about the experience. I mean, I loved having a new car. I loved it right up until the, the first warranty expired. <laughs> and, uh, and then it was all downhill from there, and, and, and it was, you know, we were upside down, the whole thing, and it was terrible. But, but I, there, are, there are decisions, really good decisions that we're making, and some terrible decisions that we're making, and we're in process. And here's how the Apostle Paul said that he was in process of all the decisions he's making, all the things that are going on in his life. In Philippians 3, verse 13, Philippians 3, 13, he says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. In other words, I haven't achieved everything that I set out to do. I have not accomplished it all. He said, I have not, I have not achieved it, but I focus 
on this one thing. Everybody say one thing. Forgetting what is in the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. I think this year, it's, it's the second Sunday in the year, it's not too late to set some goals for 2015. It's not too late to set your eyes on something that is forward. 2014 has come and gone, and it could be that some of your past decisions continue to haunt you, that you continue to look back and think that they will define you. That's not what God has for you, and that's what the Apostle Paul saying here was, the one thing that you need to do is you need to forget what is in the past, and you need to look forward to the future. See, the enemy of our souls always tries to make us look in the past. He always tries to accuse us of what's happening. He always tries to convince us that we can't recover from what has happened. It's not true. 2015 can be totally different. Listen, 2014 was hard for me. It was a year of struggle. I've talked to several of you, many of, many of the people in our community, and they say the same thing. It was a year of just struggling through. I believe 2015 is a year of breakthrough. And, 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 and a, a, a breakthrough in our lives and a year of, of redemption. I believe that. I, I sense it. I have faith for it in my soul, in my heart. I want you to grab a hold of that. I want you to grab a hold of this idea. The Apostle Paul says, lots of decisions are going to be made, but I'm going to forget what is in the past, and I'm going I'm to look tor toward the future. See, when, you, when you're with Jesus... When you, when you were with Jesus every day, what he does is he causes you to look up instead of down. He causes you to look forward instead of backwards. He causes you to look to others instead of to yourself. He causes you to look out to the world instead of be consumed with what has happened. And I think that's what the Apostle Paul is saying here, that we, that we, 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 have, a, we have an opportunity to look forward and to make some fundamental decisions. That's what, that's what 21 days of prayer and fasting is about, is, is consecrating these three weeks, these 21 days, to God and His purpose in our lives. So what one thing in your life, if you could change it, what one thing, if you could change it, would make the biggest impact, the biggest difference in your life? What would that be? What is it that you need to change? I'm not talking about, I mean, it may, it may mean that you need to go on a diet, but I'm, I'm not just talking about that. I mean, may, maybe it's a habit, right? Maybe it's a habit you've had in your life. Maybe, maybe you have a habit of overeating, and, and this 2015 needs to be about health and doing the right things. Not a fad diet, but a, but a healthy lifestyle. And you've tried and tried for many years. It could be that your habits are bad, and, and you really want to work on it. It could be that, could be that you've, you're the kind of person that's been drinking too much. Not talking about water. You've been drinking too, you have a, you've realized you have a drinking problem, and you need to stop. God wants to deliver it, deliver you from it. Deliver you from medicating all the other things that are going on in your life that are frustrating or difficult. Some of, you are, some of you are addicted to social media. You need to, I, I, I mean, have you ever been in a restaurant? I mean, it happens to our family. You go in a restaurant, you see, you see this whole family, and they're all sitting there on their devices. 
They're not talking to each other. The food, they're all looking at each other. I mean, sometimes at home we'll just say, hey, all the devices in the basket. Here you go. Everybody, device in the basket. We'll put it aside and we'll have dinner. Some of you are addicted to it. Some of you are looking at stuff on the Internet that you shouldn't look at. Think about this. Could it be that 2015 is the year where you really break that? Where it, where it, where it breaks open in your life? Where you, you really achieve victory in Christ and what he's doing in you? I want you to think that way. Could God do something amazing in 2015? The answer is yes. Your relationships. Some of you are, some of you are in bad relationships. Some of you are in compromising relationships, maybe with a coworker, maybe with somebody that you've just met recently. That if, you're, if you're in a relationship with a coworker that's not right, that's compromising to your marriage or to your life, get out of it. And if, it, if you can't get out of it, quit your job and get a new one. Listen, it's that, it's that big of a deal. It's that big of a deal to ruin your marriage and ruin your life. Some of you are, uh, you, you, listen, some of you, your marriage has drifted apart and you need to come to this marriage conference, the XO Marriage Conference. You just need to make a commitment to it. It's cheap, it's two days, it's, it's right here. You need to take advantage of it and you need to go for it. Make the investment. Some of you are, are loaded down with debts. You have, you have huge debt. Maybe tw from 2014 or 2013 or 2012 or 2001, and, and it's, just, it's, just, it's, just, it's just held on to you, and you're trying to get rid of it. Maybe this is the year that you finally say, okay, yes, I am going to start paying these things off one at a time. I'm going to start living within my means. I'm not going to keep spending everything. I'm going I'm to pay this stuff off, and I'm going to save, and I'm going to get my life on track financially. Hey, Financial Peace University starts in two weeks. Financial Peace University is life transforming. It's life changing because it deals with the way you see money. Hey, the average family, check this out. Check this out. The average family who goes through Financial Peace University pays off $5,300 and saves $2,700 in 90 days. That's the average. That's the average person. What happens? It's an incredible thing. That's an $8,000 swing. Some of you just need to make the commitment. Oh, I don't have the money to pay for it. Look, <laughs> that's your problem. You're spending your money on all the wrong things. <laughs> Cancel your cable bill and go to Financial Peace University. This could be the year. What about your dreams? What, what about things that you've longed for in your life? What about, what about things that you've thought, I wonder if I could ever do this? What about starting a business, being involved in a, in a ministry and really giving, pouring your life out? Listen, I, I, I see it as our job as a community to encourage one another's dreams. I want, I want to be a catalyst as a pastor, as your pastor, to, to help you to look up <laughs> and, to, and to see that God has a purpose for you and wants you to accomplish what he's put in your heart. You can do more than you think you can. You can, the Bible says that God can do more than you can even ask or even think. So when you embrace him, when you decide to fill your life up with him, then, then you can really accomplish things you never thought possible.
this could be the year. If you want to be successful in any part of your life, any of these areas, any part of your life you're trying to achieve success, guess what? You can't do it without God. Oh, you can have limited success. You can, you can have a season where you, where you work it through, but, but the person who's struggling to even make it month to month makes some decisions and, and finally achieves financial success. If they don't have God in their life, they're e- very easily given to greed. And selfishness. And without God to navigate your heart and to help you, you will turn most likely, most likely into these financial dynamics in your life, consuming your heart and soul, consuming your life. Listen, you've you, you got to be human will for 2015, whatever you want it to be. Human will will not be enough for you in 2015. You've you got to partner up with God, with his life, with his desires for you. And so I want you to see this. You can't be successful without God because you're a spiritual being having a temporary human experience. <laughs> right? you're, a, you're a spiritual being in a temporary house called a body. But the truth is every one of us are going to live forever according to the scriptures. And, and so th- there's, you're wired for this year being the best year of your life, but only if you will invest in your spiritual life. Only if you will be directed by your spiritual experience with God, by his life that he's pouring into you. If you want this to be the best year of your life, you've got to make it the best spiritual year of your life. Here's, here's a, a, a guy in Luke, Luke chapter 18, the rich ruler. Here's what he had a conversation with Jesus. And check out the conversation. I'm going to read it to you. A certain ruler asked Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. <laughs> he already knew something was up. <laughs> no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. I I think it's interesting when Jesus said, no one is good except God. He was defining the plumb line. He was defining the way it is. Look, nobody can make it without God. Everybody has corruption inside their heart. Everybody's broken. Humanity is broken, and we need something more. And so he said, you know the commandments. Here's what you should do. Don't commit adultery. Don't commit murder. Uh, don't steal, you know, all these things. And then here's the man's response. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Jesus said, there is still one thing you haven't done. Isn't this interesting? Jesus always pinpoints that one thing that stands between you and him. He's always zeroing in on that one thing that stands between you and him. One thing you haven't done, sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and then follow me. And then come and follow me. And when he heard this, he became very sad because he had great wealth. Jesus was just pointing out the one thing that was keeping him from really following him. This is what, this is what Jesus does. Listen, you, you and I, we have to be 
decisive and ruthless with anything that keeps us from Jesus. 2015, whatever it brings, whatever difficulties, whatever mountains you have to climb, whatever valleys you have to go through, I'm telling you, without Jesus, you will resort to some very bad behaviors. And, and there's, a, there's a thing here that we have to do. We have to be ruthless with any sin in our life. We have, to be, we have to be decisive in following Jesus, in allowing him to, to, to fill our lives with himself. I want 2015 to be a year where several things happen that I say, wow, only God could have done that. Yeah. Only God could have done that. I think David is, it was a forerunner in the Old Testament of what was to come. He had an intimate relationship with God. Here's what he said in Psalm 27, 4. I think it's in your notes. He says, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. David wanted one thing. He was a king. He had a lot to do, he had a lot going on, but he wanted, he was hungry, he was thirsty for the presence of God in his life. And the place that he found that is at the temple. And he, and he had this desire that he prayed in this, this psalm, and it was to be for the presence of God to permeate his life and his mind and his heart and his soul. For the presence of God to lead and direct his decisions I don't know if you've ever heard of Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence was a, he was a cook in a monastery. He wrote a book that's about five centuries old now. It was called The Practice of the Presence of God. He's in a monastery and all these holy guys trying to be holy and God gives the revelation to the cook. Here's what he said. He said, here's how, here's how he described what was happening to him. He's working, he's doing all this stuff, but Jesus is with him every moment. He, he capitalized, he practiced the presence of God. He called it a habitual secret and silent conversation with God. A habitual secret, silent conversation with God. It keeps going, it goes on and on. Because here's the thing, Jesus said it himself, there's really only one thing that you need. One thing that determines everything else. Look at Luke 10 now. We'll read this story and we'll, and we'll learn some things through this story. It's a famous story, you may have heard it before. But let's, let's, let's read it and let's let God speak to us through it. Luke 10, 38 through 42 says, Now as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted. Everybody say distracted. With all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. Have you ever prayed that God would make somebody else do something to help you? <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of an awkward prayer, you know, but, but a prayer often I think that brothers and sisters understand, right? Make her help me. Verse 41, but the Lord answered and said, Martha, Martha. He says her name twice. That's not good for Martha. You are worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part which will not 
shall not be taken away from her. The thing I want you to think about as we, as we go through these 21 days of prayer and fasting and as you look at 2015, I, w- I want us to decide to make the most of every opportunity. I want you to decide to make the most of every opportunity. Martha had Jesus over to her house. Check this out. Martha has Jesus over to her house, and he's sitting in the, in the living room, and he's talking about all the kingdom of heaven and all that God is doing and all that's happening inside of him, and he's sharing this, and Mary is right there at his feet, and Martha is in the kitchen. Jesus is over at your house. Jesus shows up at your house and says, hey, uh, can I come in? And you're like, yeah, come on in, come on in. And then you leave and go to the kitchen. <laughs> Jesus is working miracle after miracle at this, at this point in his ministry and life. Martha got distracted by all the stuff that had to be done. You ever been distracted? I think we live distracted. We call it multitasking, but it is nothing but distraction. (laughs) Multitasking, they're proving, is actually scientifically not even possible for your brain. We are full of distractions so we don't put the emphasis on the right thing. Like a teacher once said to me, the emphasis is on the wrong syllable. <laughs> Look at Ephesians 5.15. It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise. Check out 16. Making the most of every, what does it say? Say it out loud. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Opportunity in the Greek right there is kairos, that's the word, kairos, which, which means meaning time. And the suggestion is, the implication is, a window of time. In every window of time, make the most of it. In every window of opportunity, make the most of it. I fear that sometimes, even as God's people, we are not making the most of our opportunity You're sitting here today. You have tons of opportunities before you. 21 days of prayer and fasting. You have an opportunity to join with us every morning at 6 a.m. You have an opportunity to join with us here as a community of believers. We're coming up to Connect Group uh, Sunday here in in two weeks, and we're going to launch all the Connect Groups across the city. You have an opportunity to connect with people, but my, my suspicion is that many of you will be distracted by all the other things that have to be done. There's an opportunity for you to get your life on track. There's an opportunity for you to join with us every single day, even if you can't make it to prayer, to focus your attention on the verse of the day, the scripture of the day. There are opportunities all around you. There's opportunity, I'll guarantee you, there's an opportunity to forgive someone today. Can you make the most of that opportunity? You're like, well, God didn't give me that opportunity. Well, he didn't say he was going to give you all the opportunities. He said make the most of every one of them. Some of them might even be the devil, and you're going to have to stand up and make the right move, make the right decision so you don't give him any power. The devil takes him two moves to get you. 
right? The first move is his. Somebody says something to you. Somebody does something to you. Something happens in your life. Something unexpected. And that's the first move. The next move is yours. And if you, and if, and if you, if you decide to be bitter, to be cruel, to be angry, to let it consume you, he's got you. But if you decide to forgive, if you decide to open your heart, if you decide to run to the refuge, if you decide to pray first, something else will happen. And let me just tell you, Jesus is right here in front of you. Don't find yourself in the kitchen. Jesus is right here in front of you. Don't find yourself in the kitchen. Martha was consumed with what needed to be done. Mary was consumed with the one who can get things done. Mary was consumed with the what needed to be done. Mary, Martha was consumed with what needed to be done. Mary was consumed with the one who can get things done. Don't confuse activity with productivity. I sound like your boss now, don't I? Don't confuse activity with productivity. Jesus can accomplish so much more than you can if you will just grab onto him, if you will just hold on to him, if you will just give him a priority place in your life. Some of you are, are believers, been believers for a long time, and yet Jesus has lost a place of priority in your life. Number two, lesson from this story decide to get rid of the distractions. Decide to get rid of the distractions. As you look at 2015, decide what's distracting you from him. Decide what's distracting you from accomplishing all that God wants for you. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run. Everybody say run. You've got to run to it. I'm telling you, this fasting thing's kind of getting me all stirred up. I mean, there is no way you can really fast passively. <laughs> you know, oh, I'm just not, I mean, it's interesting. It's easy for me to go without food, but as soon as I say I'm fasting because I want more of Jesus in my life, all of hell breaks loose. It's, it's like I am more in touch with what I want out of my flesh than I have been in many years. I mean, I, I, this week, I, every little thing, I mean, everything that the kids were eating, I was like, oh, I just really want that. I need it. <laughs> My precious. It's like my flesh and everything was coming alive in me. And like, oh, and, and I had many, many opportunities to say, Jesus, I love you more than that cheeseburger. That piece of pizza that came out of a cardboard box looks so appetizing right now. I can't stand it. But Lord, I love you more than all these things. And I want to love you more than any of these things. Truth be told, truth be told, fasting is about eliminating the distractions. It's about focusing your attention. Because every time you want some food, you're reminded of Jesus and his place in your life. It is removing the distractions. And when we do, something profound begins to happen. Because really, what we're doing is we're getting in touch with what we should enjoy above all other things. 
often the problem is we take pleasure from the wrong things. We think that pursuing certain relationships, we think that pursuing a career, we think that we'll get satisfied with a certain direction in our lives, but if we leave Jesus out, it's not true. Enjoying God is what we're after as we fast, as we pray, as we look to the one thing. This verse says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Here's what C.S. Lewis said. He said, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Number three, decide to prioritize the presence of Jesus. Decide to prioritize the presence of Jesus. In 2015, as you begin to make out your calendar, as you begin to work on the things that you want to accomplish this year, I believe in goals. I mean, there, there, there is, um, you know, there's no problem with hitting your goal if you make none. Right? There's, 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 a, there's a thing here that we have to get in touch with, and it is prioritizing our lives and making sure that we have objectives and goals that we're putting out there in front of us. And what I'm arguing for is the number one, the one thing, the one thing that is absolutely necessary above all other things is that you're being with Jesus every day. Next week, next week I'm going to talk about how to do that, like practically, like really pragmatically. I'm going to talk, tell you about how I do it. I'm going to talk to you about some principles. And we're going to talk about how to spend time with Jesus every day and what that looks like. For, for some of you, um, that's going to be very interesting. For others of you, um, you should come anyway. For, look at what Philippians 3 verse 7 says. Because, because, you know, okay, so remember the first verse we read, right, in Philippians? And he said, he said I, Paul, the Apostle Paul said, I have not achieved it. Achieved what? He said this, this is what he was talking about just a few verses earlier. Here's what he's trying to achieve. He says, I once thought these things were valuable. All this stuff in my life, all the things that I'm involved in, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Everything is worthless compared to Christ. Verse 8, yes, everything else is, check this out, watch this now, worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus. Everything else is worthless compared, he's changing his values. Something is changing the way he thinks, changing the way he acts, changing his, the values that he holds in his heart. He says, for his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage. Garbage so that I could gain Christ and become, I love this phrase, one with him. So I could, he could fill me up and I could be filled up with him. I could be consumed with him that I can consume him in my life. We're talking about Monday through Saturday presence of Jesus stuff here. 
We're talking about him changing and influencing every decision. We're talking about him becoming the driving force for everything in your life during this next year. Every decision. Now, here's, And the only problem is, the only issue, the only struggle you have to get over is that making the presence of Jesus the primary thing, the problem with the one thing is you have to sacrifice everything else in order to get it. You gotta be willing to lay down everything else. You gotta be willing to surrender everything else. Jesus is gonna put his finger on anything that gets in between you and him. And what you wanna say is, yeah, that's good. You wanna say yes because I know that ultimate joy and pleasure don't come from these things. Ultimate joy and pleasure come from Jesus himself. Close your eyes and bow your heads and I want you to listen to what the Holy Spirit may say to you. Just put your stuff aside for a moment. band's going to come up and, 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 and we're going we're gonna to come to the Lord's table here. As we come to the Lord's table here, if, if you're new here, we, we do this every week because it orients us around the cross of Jesus Christ, around what he's done in our lives. It gives us the proper perspective, but we practice open communion. And so if you love Jesus and you want to, you follow him, then please participate with us. If, if you're uncomfortable for any reason, please don't feel pressure. Now, we're going to get up and we're going to walk through the line. I'll give you directions in a minute. But here's what I want you to think about as you come to the table with Jesus. Number one, I want you to remember that Jesus has invited you. <laughs> Jesus has set this table. He hasn't left anybody out. He's invited you, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone wrong, no matter what's happened in your life. He's inviting you to the table. And secondly, I want you to realize that at the table is all provision. It represents provision for your life, whatever you're lacking. When Jesus said to the, the rich ruler, one thing you still lack, whatever you're lacking, you can come to the table right here and Jesus will provide it for you. It is nourishment to your soul. The body and blood of Christ represented by bread and cup, wine, juice. This is what we're doing as we come to the table is we're communing with him and we're saying, Jesus, this is how I want to define my life by being here with you. Like David, you're saying one thing, one thing I need, and it's what you have. It's who you are. Let him come and wipe every sin away, every tear from your eyes, every place of brokenness and woundedness. Let him come and heal it and touch it and deliver you right now. He can do that. The band's gonna play and they're going to they're gonna worship and lead us in worship, and then we are going to, you're going to receive by getting up, and in each row, we're going to go row by row to your right, and there's stations all here, here at the front, and, and you come up to the station, and, and you take your bread, and you dip it in the cup, and as you do, you remember what Christ has done. So on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, 
This is my body, which is broken for you. I want you to eat it. And whenever you eat it, I want you to remember me. And in the same way, he took the cup. And after he'd given thanks, he said, this is the new covenant in my blood, which was poured out for you. He said, I want you to drink it. And every time you drink it, I want you to remember me. He said, for when you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so, Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus that forgives every sin. Thank you for the, the body of Jesus broken for us and whose stripes, by whose stripes we are healed. And so, Lord, with faith and with courage, we come to the table and we receive of you today. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we receive the work of Christ in our lives. We receive forgiveness from sin. We receive healing in our bodies. We receive the restoring of our souls. And no matter what has happened in our past, we look up to you. We look forward to what you have for us. We look ahead. We look out from our lives to others as you would. We ask you, Lord Jesus, to help us as we prioritize your presence in our lives for 2015. We receive from you. We take everything that you have for us. And we take the provision and the nourishment that only you can provide. And it's in Jesus' powerful name wonderful name, beautiful name, the name that is above every other name we receive from you. Now just actively sort of receive it from him. Just receive it. His presence is here. It's being poured out on you. His presence is in the room. He's changing your heart right now in this moment. He's changing your life. You will never be the same. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you for everything you're doing here. Jesus, we love you. We receive from you. We thank you for this. Amen. Amen. Now listen, if you're making a commitment, if you're prioritizing Jesus above everything for maybe the first time or maybe the first time in a long time, either way, I want you to let me know by filling out that card that's right in there, your seat back pocket. It's the connect, connection card. But here's what I'd really like you to do with it. I'd like, I'd like you to, prayer team's going to come right now. Prayer team, would you please come? And, and, and they're going to be available here to pray with you. If you made a commitment for the first time, come down and tell one of them, hand them your connection card. No pressure. I'm not going to embarrass you. I, we're not going to do anything crazy. Um, but as I dismiss, I want you to, I want you to tell somebody, and, and that connection card is strategic because it lets me know that you're in and that you're walking with me and I can walk with you and we can walk together as a community of Christ because no one can do it on their own. No one. We need each other. And so um, please do that if Jesus is working in your life and you need to tell somebody. Use that connection card to do it. Of course, the offering boxes will be 
on your way out, and you can, you can give your offering there. You can give it online. And so let me pray a prayer blessing over you. The Lord bless you, and the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.